Two Hats family, welcome back to the Two Hats podcast, a community supervision, community corrections, probation, parole, pretrial services, juvenile probation focused podcast. I am Chris, the tactical probation officer, and this is my wonderful co-host. It's Brittany, your favorite PO. And we are back with episode number seven. Um, we're really hoping that you guys are uh, taking the time to really listen to our other episodes. Um you know, I think we have uh, four interviews in so far, and they've all been they've all been wonderful. I think I've learned a lot from every single one. Um, our first two were kind of more introductions into the podcast, but we're definitely growing, and we definitely appreciate all you guys' uh, support. So definitely make sure you guys like, share, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we're also on different uh, streaming platforms, um, including Spotify. So definitely, if you guys want to check us out on there, too, that would be great. So um, for today's episode, we got some questions that were sent to us in our direct message. And we wanted to kind of go through some of those questions with you guys. Um, and the topic was, you know, ask a, ask a probation officer. So what kind of questions do you want to ask a probation officer? Um, so... Uh, I got a bunch of questions, Brittany. How about you? Oh, I'm always getting inundated with emails and DMs. So, yeah, let's get into it. All right. Yeah, it's like I mean, a lot of people have questions about what we do because we are that red, redheaded stepchild, you know, that uh, half half social worker, half police officer. So definitely a lot of people are really interested um, in the field. So. Uh, so the, one of the first questions I got was, how do you deal with the stress of the job? I'll let you, you start. Know what? That's, that's a very, very good question, because this is a stressful job. You're going to have days where you just want to pull all your hair out, you know, and you have to be able to cope with that because that's just the reality of, of the job. So for me, I find that on those off days, you have to really take time out to do what you enjoy, whether that be family, whether that be going to church, whether that be going to the gym or whatever. Take those off days as off days. Don't sit at home and think about, oh, I have to do this on Monday or I got to do this. on. No, you need to take those off days as time for you, because believe it or not, you are more important than them offenders. OK. <laughs> <laughs> What you think, Chris? Uh, Let me give me your feedback. How do you deal with it? Um, it's uh, okay. So the job is stressful because um, it's never ending. When you have a job where you deal with people, it's never ending because you got to deal with their problems. Um, I mean, you could leave work and everything everything will be fine. Everything is dandy. Everyone's doing what they're supposed to do. And by the time you make it in the next day, you have a million emails, you got alerts, somebody got a somebody got new charges, somebody cut their ankle monitor off, which just happened to me. And I had to deal with that. Um <laughs> requiring me to drive out of my county to go find their ankle monitor. Um, you know, it's it's always something. Cause I mean, unfortunately, when you're done with people, that's just kind of the way it goes. Uh me personally. The good thing about these jobs is that they're government jobs, and the government jobs usually give good amount of um, paid time off. So I like to just take mental health days every now and then. I'll just randomly take take a day off. I'll be like, you know, call call my supervisor. You know what? I'm just not coming in today. Taking today, taking today to myself. 
and you and, need to um, do that. Listen, y'all, y'all need to do that. Gotta Take do time it. for you. Got to do it. Um, you know, I I just enjoy. I, I mean, I got four kids, and they're they're everything to me. And I just enjoy being home with them. I'm a homebody. Man, I could just sit at home. All of us cuddle on the couch, turn on Netflix, and just watch something like that. That is wonderful to me. Wait, or Chris, me. hold on. You have four kids? Yeah, I got four of them things. I did not know you had four kids. Dang, that's a lot. Yeah, they kind of snuck up on me, but I got four of them. <laughs> I got four okay, of them. They're, they're okay. all wonderful. Like, I got three girls and a boy. Um, and they're all wonderful. But yeah, yeah I, that, that's my thing. I'm a family guy. I'm a homebody. Um, I also like detail cars. That's like a hobby I do. Um, don't look at my cars now. They're dirty because it's been cold. But that's my hobby. I like to just go out there and take something that's dirty and make it look like just came off the showroom floor. Um, that just brings me, you know, calmness. It's a, it's a good relaxation for me. So you got to find what you got to find. Like what Brittany says, you got to find what, what you like and do it. And then make sure you take your time. Um, I know a lot of POs, I know a lot of officers. Oh, I got, I got, I got like 10 weeks of vacation. I got 10. I got, I'm like, why? What you going to do with it? <laughs> I know. What are you stacking it you up are, for when you right? die and you're going to give it you to are, the next person? Exactly, because they they don't let you. They don't let you take a month off at a time. Crazy. Take a day here. Take a take a half a day. I take. I like take half a days. That's my thing. I take half a days. I go in oh, the morning. Yeah. I go in the morning. I work four hours. Lunchtime. I'm out. I'll holla at y'all tomorrow. Half a days are a good thing too. Um, go home for lunch, and you just know you're done for the rest of the day. So I like doing that. Um, and like I said, taking mental health days. Those those are my two things. That's that's how I deal with the stress of the job. Um, I'm not a drinker. I don't drink. I know I know there are a lot of POs that drink and stuff like that. Um, Brittany's over here nodding her head. <laughs> yeah, there are, I know a lot of POs who drink. I do. Yeah, I, I'm just, drink is not my thing. I don't drink at all. It's, I just don't do it. It's just not my thing. Um, just never liked it. Um, just but do if that's, whatever if that's your thing, relaxes you. Exactly. If that's your thing, you, you want to. My wife likes a, a glass of wine every now and then. That's her thing. But, um, and she has a stressful job too. She does shops at the services. So she has a really stressful job. And I talk about a job I know I can't do. So definitely I understand. Something um, that I've always heard that really stuck with me is that the work is going to always be there. Don't feel like you're, you can just stay at the office and complete everything because that will never happen. It's like Chris said, it's ongoing. It's going to always be something. Yes, preach. So yeah, just have it in your mind that this work is going to be there. You need to go mm -hmm. take some time for you. And when you can regroup, you're better for the, the, the help of the offender. If you have your mind right, you, you're better to help other people, right? Exactly. Exactly. So I think we answered that one pretty good. Um, I have another one that kind of goes along with this one before we get to one of yours, Britt. Okay. Um, so someone else DM'd me and said, how do you deal with offenders that you just don't like? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> yeah, I got a question that will piggyback off that as well. But Chris, I'm going to go ahead and let you dive into that first because I feel like you have a bit more experience than me. <laughs> Oh man, I don't, it's. I mean, we're, we're all human. There's certain people that's kind of rub you the wrong way. 
Um, I don't try to get, I don't try to like judge people based on what their offense, their offense history is. Um, but there's just people, their personalities, whether they're obnoxious, whether they're, there's just people that are just needy. You know, I, I had offenders where, I mean, they literally call you two, three times a day and they're like, oh, I just want to let you know, I'm going to the store. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> go to the store. You are not on curfew. You're not on ankle monitor. You can go to the store if you want to. Oh, I just want to make sure you know, because in case you pop up, I listen, it's called a pop-up. I pop up, you ain't there, it is what it is. I'll try I'll pop up again. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But you don't gotta call me and let me know every second of your day. But I've dealt with people like that, especially back in juvenile. I had um a lot of parents that would uh, always call me a lot like, oh, I just want to let you know I'm taking little Johnny to the store or, oh, we're going to, we're going to, we're doing this, we're doing that. I'm like, okay, do it. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, and of course you, just, you get those, you get those offenders. There are some offenders that they will purposefully try to push your buttons, um, especially the, uh, the parole ones. People have been in prison because it's, it's a game. It's something they used to do with the COs, the correctional officers, when they were in. And they kind of just carry it over to their probation officer when they get out. Hey, I wish you guys could see Brittany's face right now, because she is like, yep. Uh, I'm sure she's probably dealt with a couple of them like that. Um, it's, it's a game they play where they just try to get under your skin. It's kind of a power struggle thing. It's kind of like how they get power. Because especially when they're in prison, they really have no power. They're very powerless. So the way they try to get power is to try to play with the CEOs and get under their skin and try to make them act out of their character. And like I said, they carry that over to when they get on parole or probation. Um, and those kind of people, they really don't bother me because I'm a very straightforward kind of person. As long as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, work good. I don't care. Um, now, when you're not now, when you're making me do more work because you're not following the rules, then we then we got a problem. Um, well, how do you deal with that? If how do I deal it? with it? Yeah. Um, I try to take things personally. That's one thing I try not to do is try not to take things personally. A lot of offenders will try to make you take things personally, but I don't. It's just a job. Um, but if you ever get to the point where you're just not meshing with an offender, where you just know you cannot deal with that person. That's when you go to your supervisor and say, you know what, let's try this offender with another PO. Because what you don't want them to do is get to a point where you act out of your character. So I think I've done that once back in juvenile. I just had a kid. I just could not work with him. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was about his personality, but I just couldn't do it. So I went to my supervisor. I explained the situation. She transferred him to another officer, and I think he successfully completed his probation with that other officer, and the officer, other officer never had a problem with him. So that's how I deal with it, personally. <laughs> you push him off to another officer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you just have to. Because it might just be something about your personality, their personality, it's just, it's just not working. But you know what I find interesting? If an offender has a problem with their P.O., and they want to switch POs, they're not going to be granted just all willy-nilly, oh, you can go to this PO if you don't like this one. No, you're going to figure it out. But if a PO has an issue with an offender, you know, we can make something happen. We can switch some things up. Because a lot of times, you know, the offender will be like, oh, my PO doesn't like me. They're doing this to me. They're being unfair, whatever. And they go try to cry wolf to the supervisor or whatever. 
But in my area, no, they were like, no, you deal with it. You figure it out. Y'all make it work. <laughs> so is it like the same where you are if an offender has an issue with you or like they just like, mm, Officer McGregor didn't like me. I want to switch POs. Do they just switch them? No, I've actually, I've had, I've had quite a few offenders ask to get switched from me. And then when the supervisor actually sits down and talks to them and finds out what it is, it's because the PO's doing their job and they don't like it. Yeah. Why is he always checking up on me? Because you're a high-risk offender. And per policy, we have to check up on you more than other people. <laughs> why, does he keep, why does he keep arresting me and violating me? Well, let's see here. He violated a lot of people. <laughs> I don't think the offenders realize that the supervisor has to approve the violation. Let the people know, Chris. Let them know. They have. They read through it. They read through our narratives. They read through our notes. They see, oh, okay, so he missed his curfew on this date, this date, and this date. He didn't. He didn't come to you for his appointment on this date and this date. You had to go hunt him down to get him to come see you. They see all this and they sign off on the violation. POs, we can't just do the violation all willingly by ourselves. That's exactly. why we have supervisors. Yep. They're the ones that are supposed to make look to make sure that we're following the rules, we're following the law, we're following all the procedures, and that they're confident that the offender is doing what we say they're doing. So, so there is most checks of the and balances always, exactly. right? Exactly. So like I said, most of the time they want a new PO because that PO is doing their job. Um, I've never had one actually complain on me because of my personality or we just weren't getting along. It was always because I was doing my job and the supervisor's response is always like, yeah, I know. I approved everything he did. So no, you're not getting a new PO. Now there have been times, there was two times I got, um, I got, I got cases sent to me from other officers, um, because you know they were they were having issues with the offender, um, and then when I got them, I had no problems whatsoever. So I mean, the personality the personality stuff does happen, but if you're just asking for a new PO just because you think your PO is being too tough on you, or your PO is holding you accountable, that's not that's not good. That's not a good answer at all. But on the other hand, you know if I'm having an issue with an offender, and it's a personality thing. And it's not going to be in the offender's best interest or my best interest if we keep that going. Then yeah, pass that off. <laughs> oh, Chris, in your office, do you actually have to supervise drug tests, or do they send those out to a third party? Um, we super well. We back in juvenile and here in adult, we supervise our own drug screens where oh, we're okay. actually in the bathroom. Um making sure that the sample where they're providing is their own. Um, now, personally, I've never caught anybody trying to falsify a test, um, but I've I've heard other officers tell me. I've had other officers arrest people for falsifying tests. Um, it just hasn't happened to me. I'm going to say yet, because I'm sure at some point it's going to happen. Um, but it just hasn't happened to me yet. Uh, well, it did happen to me. So I can tell you guys what, you know, what it's like if you catch somebody trying to falsify a drug test. So when it go, happens... Go ahead, go ahead and tell them. Tell, tell the people. <laughs> the people want to know. Okay, let me get into this real quick, real quick. Um, when it happened to me, I was like a new officer. I was probably like two, three months in. So, you know, I go into the restroom with this young woman and, you know, 
we do the usual. You pull your pants down, pull your underwear down, turn around, you know, let me see what's going on. So she does all of that. She sits down on the toilet. But when she sits down, she's making like some weird movements. Like, what's going on? So as a, as you're supervising the test, the person is supposed to like have their private area in like full view so the officer mm-hmm. can make sure there's nothing going on. Okay. So instead of her letting me see the business downstairs, you know, she had her hand down there trying to like almost cover it. I'm like, okay, what are you doing? No, you need to move your hand. And so after like one or two minutes of her just doing these weird movements, I heard like a splash in the toilet. So I'm like, oh God. I'm like, wait, did this lady like do the number two or like what's going on? Um, so I asked her to stand up and then the lady starts crying. So I already knew it was a problem. So I look in the toilet. I asked her to move away from the toilet. I look in the toilet and there's a condom in the toilet. And Ooh. she's already in tears. So she already knows she's been caught. Okay, so that was that wasn't from the night before, huh? <laughs> I hope not. No. no, 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 no. But you know, later on, you know, after talking to her, calming her down. You know, she admitted, you know, she was trying to fake the drug test. And yeah, she got arrested. But mm. it was really scary for me because it was like my first time seeing that. And like I said, I was a new officer. So if anybody goes through something like that, you always notify a supervisor, get a second pair of eyes to see what it is that you think you see. And you write it up. You write a report. You write everything that happened. Mm. See so here, uh, here where we are, Actually, back in back in uh, in Pennsylvania, when I was a juvenile officer, it's actually a, it's actually a crime. It's actually a misdemeanor to try to uh, falsify a, a drug screen. Um, and here too, it's a it's an arrestable offense. Um, it was. You know, we had to call law enforcement to arrest her. We had to. Yeah. De- well, we kind of you know detained her until they came. But yeah. did, do you guys make you guys make your arrests, right? Yeah, we make our own, we make our own arrests. Um, but like I've never dealt with it, but I've heard of people having. Um, Wizenators. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. So That's it looks men. like, yeah, for men. Uh, so when we do, like, kind of like what you were talking about when you do the drug screen, where you have to see the private parts. So we do it, we, for men, we call it D in the cup. You got to see the D in the cup, right? So, yep. and uh, they have made these things called Wizenators, and it's basically a fake, a fake penis, but, it, but it's like attached a little hose with a bag that they usually like taped to the side of their leg. And then they like squeeze the bag and it comes out the little fake penis. So like I said, I've never caught somebody with it, but I know I've heard of officers catching people with that before. Um, I've heard of people having uh, squirt bottles. Um, let me see. Uh, I haven't heard a condom thing before yet, um, but usually the squirt bottles and the whizinators are what I've heard of. Or what you'll get, I actually had this back in juvenile with... Um, a juvenile that was a very heavy uh, heroin user. Um, I went to I went to a school one day. Saw him at school. I think it's about right. It's probably about half an hour before school let out, and I was just trying to do a quick visit in and out, and I had to get a drug test off him. And uh, this boy stalled me out to the oh. point where we were standing there in the bathroom for like forty minutes. And I mean, he just kept drinking water, kept drinking water. He's like, I can't go. I can't go. And he literally stalled me out to the point where I was like, man, it's the end of my shift. I'm ready to go. Mm. So I was like, you know what? You got it today. You got it today. So I told my supervisor about it. She said, uh, she sent me back out to the next day at eight o'clock in the morning. 
I cleared my schedule. I said, listen, dude, I ain't got nothing else to do today but to get a urine off you. I got eight hours. Eight hours. So however long it takes you, that's what we going to do. He went like that. And of course, he was positive, mm-hmm. lit the test up. That thing was on fire. Yeah. Um, and uh, and he admitted. He was like, yeah. He was like, he's like, man, you don't understand how bad it had to go yesterday. And I was holding it so bad, but I didn't want you to catch me. I was like, man, listen, dude. That is another thing. If you are in a county where you have to supervise your own UAs, they will try to stall and stall and stall Mm -hmm. if they know they're going to be positive. So just keep in mind that, you know, like Chris said earlier, it's not personal. They just just don't want to get caught. Yeah. And chances are, I mean, if, I mean, unless you like, you're constantly popping dirty. I mean, if you, chances are you're probably not even going to get arrested. You probably wouldn't even get violated. You probably get a talking to the first time. Second time, we'll probably do a substance abuse assessment, you know, refer you somewhere, go get an assessment. You know, third time, did you start your classes yet? Now we start getting to four and five. That's, man, you might got to go sit down for a little bit because clearly you got a problem. Um, but one thing though is. I uh, that's important to talk about because a lot of offenders think, okay, this first time that I test positive, I'm going to jail. You know, that's what they think in their mind. So as an officer, I feel like it's important to reiterate to the offender, we're not here to send you back. We're here to help you out. So it's in your best interest to tell us the truth, to avoid all of this, wasting my time <laughs> doing this justice, if you already know what's, you know, what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and we 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 want to help them. That's why we kind of got into these into this job. Um, you know, if we if we my I'm really big on getting people into treatment. If I can get you into treatment, and you're doing well at it, I'll give you chances. I'll work with you. Um, you know, I am a right now. I'm a drug court officer, and I have a lot of experience working with drug drug addicted offenders. I was actually a drug and alcohol counselor prior to becoming a probation officer, so I have a lot of experience with that. And I understand addiction is a disease. I understand it's hard. I understand stopping is hard. But in, at some point, you got to take responsibility for your own self. And you got to make that decision. Um, I feel like we're getting off topic. But in drug court, um, they actually have uh, mouth swabs. They do mouth swabs, uh, drug screens. And, oh, wow. Um, yeah, they put them under the tongue. has to get like, gets, it collects all the saliva, gets really wet. And then, they, uh, and then it tests it that way or they can send it to the lab. So I actually have been doing less drug tests since I'm in drug court, since um, the actual drug court program drug tests them very frequently, um, at least once or twice a week. So I only do like pop-up tests every now and then, um, you know, if I have a suspicion or something, but I've actually been doing less drug testing as a drug court officer than as a regular officer. So um, I have, I kind of have two questions. I kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Okay. I, th- I think it's a good question. I think I th- I'm gonna have you answer this one first. All right. So ahead. someone someone sent me a message saying, "I want to be a probation officer, but I don't want to carry a gun." <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. Welcome to the club. All right. So my response to that would be: Not every county or jurisdiction or agency will have you carry a weapon. 
because the agency that I worked for, we did not carry weapons. So you might be in luck. You might still be able to be a probation officer without having that responsibility. Um, I just feel more secure having a weapon like me personally than on my job with these offenders. I, I just, it just doesn't, doesn't mesh well with me. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. Don't leave a comment asking me why. But <laughs> it just didn't. Um, so depending on your jurisdiction or what agency you're working for, you may not have to do that. But Chris over here, the tactical probation officer, he can tell you what it's like and <laughs> how you can get ready for it if that is a requirement for your job. So Chris, tell them, how do, how do you get adjusted to something like this? Um, back in juvenile, it was an option. So you didn't actually have to carry a gun. Um, I want to say out of my office, I think we had like 30 officers, I think like six carry guns. It wasn't a big number. Um, it was a choice. The, the department's policy um, was that it's a choice. Now, personally, I worked inner city. Um, I worked with a high-risk um, juvenile population. I had I had juveniles that were um, that were on probation for carrying guns. So, personally, I'm that's I couldn't I couldn't see myself doing this doing this job without a firearm. Now, where I'm currently at is mandatory. You have you have to carry. Everyone carries a firearm. Um, actually, if you don't if you don't pass qualification. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll teach you again and train you again. But if you end up failing, um, you, you do get laid off because it is a requirement of the jobs that you do carry a firearm. And, you know, like I said, I personally would not do this job in any jurisdiction if I had to do it unarmed. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I mean, you're going into people's houses. You're dealing with people that are on, are on probation for violent crimes, um, you know, armed robberies, assault with a deadly weapon, um, you know, robberies and burglaries and, you know, all these kind of different crimes and they have guns, they have access to guns, you know what I mean? Um, I don't see it as a, I know some people see it as a power thing. It's not a power thing to me. I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I carry this thing every day, but it's not a power thing. It's, it, it's a tool just like everything else on the tool belt. Um, and that's how I do it. But I just find it funny that, that you know, you're, you're, you're really big on carrying your gun when you're not at work, but you want to carry one when you're on work. How does that work? Like, I don't think, like, no stand up <laughs> Off duty, I I'm strapped no up. Idea. At work, nah, I can't do it. Nope. No, 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 no. Because I just feel, maybe I feel as though I'm just here one-on-one -on -one with these people and they're, I don't want to be like, overpowered or something like that these people believe it or not when these people come to your office okay sometimes it is a little bit tense it is a little you feel a little bit apprehensive well i did at least i don't know about chris but i can't speak for everybody else but i did when you go through their criminal history when you first get an offender on your caseload you look through their criminal history you see oh this person's been arrested for this they've been to jail this many times they've been to prison this many times it's like ooh, okay hold on <laughs> And you feel some type, well, I felt some type of way. Um, I just wouldn't feel comfortable with a firearm being right there with them. And then when I go out to their house, I mean, I don't feel like it's a it's a place where I need to have a weapon. I don't it's not like a combative situation to me. I feel like in Chris's situation is a little bit different because you know, you guys go into their house and do searches and all this type of stuff. But we didn't have to do that. You know, it was more of a hey, how you doing? 
you know, did you cut your grass today type of thing? It was it was not something <laughs> that was, um, it, it wasn't a combative thing. So I didn't feel like it was necessary, nor did I feel like I wanted to do it. So I'm glad they didn't have it. Because if they had it, a requirement for you to carry a weapon, I probably would not have taken the job, to be honest. Wow. That's big right there. Really? Yeah. So if, if it was a requirement, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have taken it? Nah, nah. I'm more of a counselor, psychologist type of person, not a yeah. law yeah, enforcement definitely a, definitely a two on the two hat scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um, I, that kind of goes down to what the agency's philosophy is. Um, you know, where I'm at, and even back in PA, you know, we were, we were, we were sworn law enforcement officers um, with the power of arrest. And when you have the power of arrest comes the use of force. And when you have to use force, force varies all the way from officer presence all the way up to lethal force, you know? So yeah, I mean, I I definitely understand it's a, it's a mindset thing. It's a philosophy of the department. Um, But I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say if, if, if you're a person we don't want to carry a firearm, that's fine. Look around. You'll find apartments where it's not a requirement, where you don't have to make arrests. I'm sorry, Chris, but that kind of piggybacks off of a question that I got that I want us to talk about. Go ahead. What happens when you see an offender in public when you're off duty? Like, people want to know, like, oh, if I see my offender over here at Walmart, what, what am I required to do? Not a damn thing. <laughs> Listen, when I'm off the clock. I am off the clock. Um, and I, I personally, I carry off duty. Um, you know, we, we're allowed to do that as probation officers in the state. Even back in PA, we we didn't need a, we didn't need a, a concealed carry permit in order to carry off duty. As long as you had your badge, you can carry. Um, so I'm usually stri- you see me. I'm strapped. Just just. Whether you see it or not, just just know that that thing that thing is on me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, you know, Eminem, I can't dance. I got a pistol in my pants. You know what I mean? That's just that's that's me strapped up at all times. Um, but I mean, I've I've actually ran into um, a couple of offenders in the community, and honestly, it's I don't I don't say nothing to them. They don't say nothing to me. We just keep it moving. Right, um, I think one time, right. yeah, one time I had a guy roll up on me and he was like, "Hey, how you doing?" I was like, "I'm good," and I just kept it moving. You know what I mean? Um, especially if I'm with my family, um, I ain't got nothing to say to you. You ain't got nothing to say to me. You know what I'm saying? Now, you know, come Monday morning at eight o'clock, you know, then 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 you know, then we back on the clock. But when I'm off on my free time, it's my free time. Um, how about you, Bree? You ever run into any offenders in the community? Yeah, yeah, have you know? I go out to eat. I see them. They work in there. Um, you know, I've been out to uh downtown after hours. I've seen an offender, mind you. This they have curfew. Well, this person has curfew, so that's a violation. Which brings me to another topic. What if they're committing violation, so to speak, um, and you see them in public? What are you to do then? Um. From my experience, you know, you have to write that up. You have to put that in a report. I wouldn't say make contact with the offender because that's not what we were required to do. But uh, if I see them and I see them committing some violation, then that we will be required to write that up. And that's 
you, you can you can use that in court. You know, I saw this offender on this date, this time doing this. That's something that you do have to take account of. So what about you? If you see an offender out in public and they're in violation, what do you do? That's a good question because I don't think, I mean, our, our policy procedure is over 400 pages long. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say I know every single thing that's on every single 400 page of our policy, but I've, I've reviewed it enough because I like, I like to be pretty up on policy, um, what I can and can't do. Um, Cause I mean, that's just job security. Cause if you break policy, that could be your job. Um, but I don't remember, I don't remember ever seeing anything in policy that says that if we see an offender breaking the law, um, while we're off duty, what will we have to do about it? Um, I don't remember ever seeing that. Um, so if you were to see an offender breaking the law or in violation, what would you do? Honestly, it all depends on the situation is, you know, if I'm, you know, by myself on the way to the store or something, honestly, I probably wouldn't do anything. I, honestly, just me personally, I probably wouldn't do anything. Now, if I saw an offender that I knew I had warrants for, you know, out and about and, you know, I'm off duty you know, I'm in my, you know, POV, my personally owned vehicle, and, you know, I'm by myself, I'm not with my family. Um, I might, I might hit that, that, I might hit that 911 real quick. You know, <laughs> you know, like, hey, this is a probation officer, such and such, I'm off duty. Um, I got a, I got a 1075 wanted subject at this location. Uh, can you send the unit over? And, you know, I might, I might stay in the area, try to keep an eye on them. Um, you know what I mean? Until he gets into custody. Uh, but otherwise, I'm, I'm not. I'm not yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to confront you off duty. No, no, no. <laughs> nope. You got it. So there you go, P.O.s. If you see an offender out in public, just mind your business. You know? Exactly. Mind your business. <laughs> um, let me see here. So I got another question here. kind of goes along with the one about carrying a gun is, uh, why do probation officers have to dress and look like cops? Oh, that's a, that's a real strong question. <laughs> right? I kind of I kind of feel like there's a little undertone to that one. A little bit. Um, yeah. Um, what what did what did you guys wear? Like, what was your, what was your dress code? In my department, we were a business casual. So you know, on Fridays we could wear jeans with a department uh, oh, county whatever nice. polo shirt. Yeah, but we didn't have to wear a specific uniform or anything like that. There was nothing that really said probation on our clothes at all, unless you wore your county shirt or your department shirt, um, which nobody really had to wear that. You could wear that if you wanted to. Okay. Um, so back in PA, we were, um, I think we had to wear, it had to be uh, some kind of cargo pants or you know dockers type pants and either a button-down shirt or some kind of collared shirt you can wear just like wear you can wear a t-shirt oh um, yeah that's true too men have to wear polos or yeah like you said a collar shirt men have to wear a collar yeah, shirt. yeah some kind of collar so most like a polo shirt we did have um uh polo shirts with the county seal on it it said a county name and it said juvenile probation um, we actually had to pay for those shirts ourselves. There was like there was a, a an embroidery shop um, that all the officers would go to and get shirts made. Um, 
I think it just had to be normal colors like black, blue, gray. You couldn't do like anything crazy like pink or lime green or anything like that. Oh, we could. We could do that. Yeah, it just had to be a it had to be like a, a neutral tone color shirt. Um, Y'all were boring. Yeah, and then we also wore for the officers that were armed. We had these really thin. Um, they're kind of like a, a barber's vest. You know those vests that barbers wear. It's kind of like that, uh, where it zips up and front, up and down the front, and it had. Then we would embroider it with the county seal, county name, and um. And do you have pictures on. of that on your Instagram? Yes, I do have pictures of them on my Instagram. Um, and the whole purpose of it is to, for because back in PA we actually had to conceal carry all of our, our equipment. So we'd have our duty belt with everything, you know, our magazines, handcuffs, OC spray, baton, firearm. But we had to wear something over it. We couldn't open carry. It couldn't just be out displayed. Um, I think that was just what the judges wanted because they I guess they didn't want it to be intimidating. Um, so y'all go to check out Chris on Instagram so y'all can see. Yeah, it's the tactical probation officer. Yeah, that's yeah. me. Um, there's some underscores in there somewhere too. <laughs> I think you start you start typing the tactical probation officer. I think I come up. Um, or if you check out the Two Hats podcast. Uh, IG page. I think I got a couple pictures up on there too. Um, but here where we are now, we can open carry. So, you know, we, we look like cops. We're issued uh, two shirts with our department, with a, with a uh, embroidery of the bat of our department badge. Um, it says probation on it. Um, now you don't have to wear those shirts. Um, you can wear as long as it's a polo shirt, a button up shirt, you can wear that. But most people tend to wear those shirts just because, you know, they're given to us. They're free. Um, so yeah, and of course we got our body armor and it says probation on it and all that good stuff. So, um, so the, uh, why do we have to dress and look like cops? Um, you don't have to, it depends on your jurisdiction. You know, I'm sure Brittany could have went to work every day and never said anything that wore anything ever said probation. You probably never, never know. Nope. She, she, she had this cute little badge she kept hitting on her at all times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then uh, my thing is, I go. For, I, I personally, I go for officer presence. Um, so you know, I want the offender to know that you know I'm the officer. You're the offender. I am a law enforcement officer. I do have the power of arrest. Um, so I dress the part. I wear body armor. I wear my body armor underneath my, my polo shirt. I think it looks more professional that way. I don't like the big outer carriers or the big words probation on it. And then you have all the attachments. You know, you get your magazines here and your radio and your handcuff. I like to look, I like to look professional. I kind of like to dress like, kind of like a detective. Okay, you hear me now? I have no clue. How did that happen? Hold on. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, muted you too. You sure you didn't push something? I didn't touch anything. Okay. Uh, so let me start over. Um, I go for officer presence. I want everybody to know I'm the officer. You're the offender. Um, I have this. I do have the. I, I am in a position of authority. I do have the power of arrest. Um, personally, I wear my body arm body armor underneath my uh, state issue shirt. Um, I just think it looks more professional that way. I don't like the big vest with the the letters probation on it, and it's you know really in your face, and you got all the pouches and attachments. You look like you're getting ready to go to war. Um, 
I like to keep it real neat, kind of like a kind of like a detective look, you know. Um, so I got my khakis on, my khaki cargos. I got my vest on, my shirt. I got my utility belt. I look. I like to look professional. I like to prevent. I like to uh, present to the offenders a consistent image every time they see me. Um, so they know that's 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 my officer, you know. Um, I know you know different POs dress different. I know those POs, you know, they go out they, have, they got a hoodie on with their vest over it. Um, you know, that's that's what you like. I mean, I'm gonna say I do it sometimes too, uh, especially when it gets cold. Uh, if you're working in the evenings or something, you know, throw a hoodie on because it's cold and put your outer vest on. Um, but yeah, I mean, you don't have to. Honestly, it depends on what your department your department's policy is. What what other Our, questions did you get in your in our DM for the two hats podcast? <laughs> Here's a here's a good one. <laughs> why are P, why are probation officers so mean? Oh, that brings <laughs> me to my Instagram slash TikTok video that I did. All people think probation officers are ugly or quote unquote mean, but we're actually not. You know what I'm saying? We got a bad reputation, Chris. Like, why is that? I ain't gonna lie, there's some mean people out there. <laughs> I gonna, I've worked with some mean POs. I mean, really? they give people no slack. They, I mean, this is a job where you have to like what you do. You have to fit that two hats. You got to strive to be a five on a two hat scale. And there's people that, depend on which way you slide on the scale. You know, you got somebody that wants to be an eight or a nine on that scale um, towards the law enforcement side, and they're just all enforcement, 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 and they're not understanding that, you know, people are people and change takes time, and our job is to be a change agent. And to that, to the offender, that person might come off as mean. Um, I don't think anyone ever says I'm mean. I'm, I'm firm and I'm fair, but I don't think I've ever come off as mean because I'm just, I'm not that kind of person. I don't take anything personally. Um, but there are people, people, I mean, I've, I've, I've listened in to other officers, damn near getting into a fight with some offenders, <laughs> talking, talking reckless and talking down to them. And wow. you know, I'm That's not, not that even kind of allowed in my department, well, the department that I worked for, you know, to talk in a way, in a manner that demeans somebody or makes them feel bad, you know, that's not even allowed. If an offender were to go to court or go to a supervisor and say, well, this PO said this to me, this PO said that to me, or God forbid, they record you because they are legally allowed to record probation officers. I don't know if y'all know that or not, but where I where I worked at, they could record us. So God forbid they go into the, uh, the courtroom with, to the supervisor with this recording of you talking smack to them or speaking, you know, disrespectfully, that's a problem. You you can't get away with that. So how does that work in your you know your area? What I find is it's a lot of it's a lot of the uh, older POs. Yeah, yeah. The ones that've been there for like you know decades. You know, get ready. Yeah, I'm talking about like fifty plus. You know, old people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because back in the day, that's that was kind of how things were. You know, that's, that's what they were. That's, that's what they were. You know, things times change. Yeah. The way we work with our clients has changed. Yeah. Um, and for some people, you know, they want the offenders to change, but they want to change themselves. <laughs> you make a right? good point. Good point. Um, you know, so, I mean, I've worked back in juvenile, I, we has we had some officers and they talk, talk down crazy to these kids, to these juveniles, like you're their parent. I'm not your parent. Right. I'm not your friend. 
I'm your probation officer. My job is to enforce these court order conditions. You don't do what you're supposed to do. You deal with the consequences. It's as simple as that. You ain't, I always tell offenders, you got to answer to me. You answer to the judge. That's right. You know what I mean? All you, everything you're telling me, I'm going to tell to the judge. It's as simple as that. So, but of course, um, as far as all you aspiring POs who are listening in right now, um, everything that a probationer tells you, you know, they're going to direct their anger towards you. They're going to direct their happiness towards you. Everything is going to be to you because you're just the person that they see every month. Okay. But like Chris said, don't take things personally. We do have to relay all this information to the court. Okay. We do tell the judge all of these things, but just know that it's, it's nothing personal. You know, we just want to keep reiterating that so people don't get discouraged or you have an offender in your office yelling at you or something like that. You're like, this person is really not mad at you. They just really mad at the situation that they put themselves in. Hey, it ain't my fault. I ain't tell you to take the plea. You could have right? you did your time. <laughs> you could have you could have went and sat down for 120 days, but you chose to come. You chose to come hang out with me for the for the next 24 months. You yep. had a choice. You remind them, hey, this is better than you sitting in prison right now. Which, which one you want? Pick right. pick your struggle. Which one you want? Exactly. <laughs> um. And man, if you really think, man, I don't, I don't just try to find this. If you really think about it, if you really do what you got to do, you keep your nose clean, you stay out of trouble. At the most, depending on your risk level, you might see me once a month. You see me once a month for maybe 20 minutes, 30 to max if we got to do a drug screen, right? 30 minutes out of a month, that ain't that much time. It really isn't. But you would think to some people that 30 minutes was the biggest 30 minutes out of the whole month. I just, I just I can never understand it. I'm like, if you do what you... The problem is that people don't want to do what they're supposed to do. They do what they want to do. Yep. A lot of the time, what you want to do isn't legal. Is it in your best interest? Is it in society's best interest? then we got to start dealing with the consequences. And that's why people think POs are mean is because they don't want to deal with the consequences. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, so I, <laughs> I was on the elevator the other day. This lady, this lady in the elevator was like, mm, how many people get locked up today? I was like, I've never locked anybody up. She was like, you never arrested nobody? I didn't say I never arrested nobody. I never locked nobody up. They locked themselves up. Right. I'll never just take somebody and said, you, you're going to jail. It's always, man, you had all these chances and you really messed that up. And here we are. And you turn around, put your hands behind your back, spread your feet, don't move. Bend forward at the waist. Don't look at me, look away. Clack, clack. There it is. You know what I mean? And I've never had an offender be surprised. They always... They... No, there's a difference between being surprised and being upset. I have a friend who's been upset. Like, man, this is just not a good time. I got this and this going on. But it would never been a surprise. But didn't I tell you that if you kept doing X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, this was going to happen? Yeah, you did. Didn't I tell you if you came in and you tested positive again, you're going to owe me, you owe me three days in jail? Yeah, yeah, you said that. It's just not a good time. Is it ever going to be a good time for you to go to jail? No. It's never a good time. <laughs> so let's go ahead. Let's get this out of the way. Sit down. Think about what you did. And we're going to try again when you get out. All right? 
that's the way I look at it. So I don't know. I don't think I'm mean. I think I'm firm and fair. And I think that's what all POs should be. You should be firm. Exactly. You know, when you're dealing with people, you can't make everybody happy. So it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, firm and fair. Uh, you got you one last question, question you, you got in the DMs for us to answer before we wrap up today's episode. <laughs> um, let me see here. See, this is an unfair question because I don't, I, you, I don't think you're gonna relate. But it says, "What's better, working with adults or working with juveniles?" All right, yeah, Chris, let us know. Let the people know. I don't think, I don't think either one is better. They're just different. Um, working with juveniles back in PA, it's it's a smaller caseload. Um, you know, we had all these different programs that the county pays money to send these juveniles to. They'll, the county will pay money for in-home counselors to go into home and work with the offender. They'll pay money for them to go to drug and alcohol classes. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous the amount of money they spend on these juveniles. You know, they'll put them in juvenile placements for months and months at a time to get them, you know, all kinds of help and counseling. Um, but it's just an adult. It's more, you, I can, I, I can refer you to this drug and alcohol class, but you got to figure out how you're going to get there. You got to figure out how you're going to pay for it. You know what I'm saying? And um, they're juvenile. So that's hard. No, for, no, for adults. It, oh, for adults just, who don't have a job or don't exactly. have, you know, that's the person. But a juvenile, the, the county paid for everything. So they were babies, basically. Yeah. But here in adult, man, you really got to pull yourself up by your own bootstrap. You got to figure it out. I mean, I could refer you to places and things like that, but you really got to put the effort in. Back in juveniles, we had we could contract for a company to come pick them up from their house and take them to counseling classes, pick them up from the counseling classes, and bring them back home. The county paid for it. You don't That's get that. You don't, you don't, I you wish know, the you county don't. paid for adults. You don't get that in adults. Oh, oh man! You live on one side of the town, and your counseling is on the other side of town. Man, you better figure it out. Because if you miss those classes, that's a violation of your probation. So that I feel like that would be a, a pro to being a juvenile officer because there's more resources, right? It is a lot more resources. Okay. So the condo to- is dealing with the families, the parents. Oh my God! I mean, I could talk for hours about working with some parents and how. Little Johnny is perfect, and he can't do nothing wrong. Nothing. Nothing's ever little Johnny's fault. So as a juvenile officer, do you have to speak with the parents? That's a part of your role, to speak with the parents and the juvenile? Yes, you have to work with both. Yeah, you have to. There's just, there's no, there's no way around it. Um, an adult, I don't have to, man. I've had 19, 20 year old offenders and their mom has called me up and I'm like, um, ma'am, your son's an adult. I'm not going to talk to you about his case. I'm not going right. to talk to you about what's going on with him. He's an adult. He has to figure it out, just yep. like every other adult. So yeah, it's just it's just different. Have you have you ever considered working with juveniles? Never. I don't like children. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, guys: If you didn't know, your favorite PO does not give well get along well with children. 
Badass kids. <laughs> Badass kids. <laughs> I got a whole caseload of babies kids. Yeah, I can't do it. Mm-mm-mm. I feel you. I definitely feel you on that one. <laughs> um, but I mean, from you know my experience, that's, that's all I know. I mean, when I started out, I was working with juveniles, um, being a drug and alcohol counselor, working on juvenile facilities. So it was kind of a natural fit for me just to go over to juvenile probation. I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I did it for five and a half years. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. But we definitely did not get the respect like the adult officers, the adult probation officers get, you know. They're kind of like, oh, you're 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 a baby officer, man. Listen, I got some I got some seventeen year old juveniles bigger than most of the people on your caseload. So <laughs> I would um, never do juvenile. And another reason why I would never do juveniles because they don't get paid as much as adults. It, it depends. Uh, back back in PA, we were in the same union. We got paid the exact same. So. Oh, that's terrible. No, that's good. <laughs> I mean, that's good. <laughs> let me rephrase. That was good for y'all. Uh, yeah, but I feel like to deal with an adult, you need to be paid more money because, baby, them adults are something else. Yeah, but the way I look at it is, okay, yeah, you have a caseload of 100 people, but you see those people for maybe 10 minutes at a time, go through your little, your little check-in form, and you get them out the door. Man, when I meet with a juvenile, I'm, I'm talking, we're talking like half an hour to 40 minutes because there's so much you got to cover, so much you got to do. And that doesn't include having to check in with the parents, check in with the schools, check in with any kind of treatment providers that they receive. There's, there's so much involved. So, yeah, yeah don't want to have, don't want 100 people that I see for 10 minutes at a time. Or do I want 25 people that I got to spend 40 minutes with at a time? in addition to all the other stuff and all the other factors in our life you have to, uh, you have to deal with. It's just different. That, I, don't think it, I don't think it works harder. It's just different. To me, it sounds harder. That's just me, y'all. Don't listen to me. Y'all do what y'all want to do. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. But, uh, hey, guys, uh, I hope you guys enjoy these que- this question and answer uh, episode. Um, if you have any additional questions, go ahead and leave them down in the comments. We'll definitely answer all of them. Um, Follow us on Instagram. I am at your favorite PO. Our podcast, Two Hats Podcast on Instagram. And Chris, go ahead and leave your Instagram, please. Uh, yeah, I am the the tactical underscore probation officer. There's some underscores in there somehow. I can't never remember. You do not know your own Instagram listen, handle. Listen, listen. Chances are, if you re- if you request to follow me, you'll probably get denied. I'm very picky. We've talked about this before. Unless you're, yeah. our, unless you're in law enforcement right now, chances are I'm not going to follow you. Um, leave that for okay, the Okay, we all podcast. just follow Two Heads Podcast. Yeah, Chris follow that. Yeah, follow okay. that. And then follow us on Spotify. You can listen to us on Spotify. We're taking donations and everything else on Spotify. <laughs> thank you for supporting our family. Yes, thank Not you guys. Not our real family, but thank you for supporting the Two Hats family. <laughs> yes, yes. Listen, there are thousands of POs in this country, and we need every single one of them to be following this podcast. Yes, tune in, share it, tell a friend. You're going to learn something, because I've learned a lot so far. 
Uh, but we're going to definitely uh, keep the interviews coming. Uh, we know you guys like the interviews with other officers across the country. Uh, we're going to try to uh, branch out and get different officers from different parts of the country with different kinds of spe specialties. Um, so we definitely keep bringing that that content to you guys. And, uh, we have some female POs coming. So if y'all know some female POs that want to be on the podcast, hit us up. Uh, yes, <laughs> trying to be diversified. Yes, yes. All right, family, make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Uh, make sure you tell all your friends, uh, tell your coworkers uh, to come check us out. Definitely make sure you guys leave comments and check, a, check out our social media. Um, I do try to post uh, little snippets here and there of upcoming episodes uh, just so you guys can uh, see what's going on. But otherwise, peace. You guys have a good day and uh, have a good night.